Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. Tax season is here, and that means that it's time to file your taxes. There's good news. If you're a W-2 employee, you can save half off your filing. All you have to do is call the Tax Defense Group before April 15th, 2020, and mention that you saw this ad on UCAS Studios. Millions of Americans will get money back after they file, and you can be one of them. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973. That number again is 800-850-7973. And you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Writer Junkie. Are you looking to make more money in 2020? One of the best ways to do that is by having a new resume that can help you get that dream job. Writer Junkie offers affordable, well-written resumes for the low cost of $145. They'll even throw in a cover letter for no additional charge. All you have to do is mention that you saw this ad on UCAS Studios and they'll get right to work. Call Writer Junkie today at 805-587-7966 and you can visit them online at writerjunkie.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders podcast alongside UCAS Studios. I am your host, Gary Kester, here with you as always. And with me, uh, again, I guess normally, is uh, is Hani Amadi. And Hani, I know it's been a long week, man, but uh, how are you holding up? Uh, doing a lot better this Sunday than I was last Sunday. I, I can say that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, said this just before we went on but probably one of the longest weeks of my life maybe the longest week of my life it's been um a tough week for i mean laker fans kobe fans basketball fans people i think in general um obviously we're recording this one week after the uh tragic um tragic events that took nine lives um I'm going to read off the names of the victims, and we just want to send our condolences still to the families, um, f- the friends and families, whoever um, has been impacted by the, the nine lives that we lost. Um, I'm going to read off the names of, of the victims, uh, and we just want to say rest in peace to Ara Zaboyan, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Christina Mauser, Carrie Altabelli, John Altabelli. Alyssa Altabelli, Gianna Bryant, and of course, Kobe Bryant. Like I said, it's been a very, very difficult week um, for just, I think, people all over the world. Um, I know this week has been um, something that's given me a lot of perspective and just kind of forced me to to sit back and uh, kind of reevaluate a lot of things because you learn you know, a very harsh, harsh lesson, uh, that life can be cruel. Um, and it takes some very unexpected turns that you don't want it to. Um, but for me personally, it's just been, um, one of those things that's really opened my eyes and just kind of made me sit back and think about a lot of things and giving me a lot of perspective. And, um, you hate how, you know, 
how it comes to that, but, um, you know, it is what it is. So, um, basically the plan for this podcast, and I apologize if this kind of goes off the rails. Uh, I'm glad we waited a week to do this because if we would have done this a few days after, um, the incident, the accident, um, I don't know if I would have really been able to get through it. Um, but yeah, we're going to just basically start by talking about how the last week has, has been, um, what it's been like for us, uh, things we've noticed with just the outpouring of support for the Bryant family and, and, and the victims that, um, that lost their lives. Um, we're going to talk about kind of the Lakers tribute to, to Kobe the other night against the Portland Trailblazers. And, um, We'll, we'll cap it off hopefully on a happier note and talk about some of our favorite uh, Kobe mem- memories that kind of stand out to us personally because Lord knows that man gave us plenty to choose from. So, um, all right. So to start, Hani, I guess just, I mean, if, you, if you're comfortable with it, just kind of describe, I guess, what the last last week has been like for you and just kind of some things that have stuck out to you in terms of all the, the support that you've seen um, for, for Kobe and Gigi Bryan and, and um, all the other victims? Yeah. Um, it, it's been, you know, slowly improving for me, but um, just, I can't really shake the feeling that I had the first uh, two, three days at least of what all of this meant. Um, I know for me, I, I heard about the news almost immediately from our uh, Slack channel uh, for Lakers Outsiders, and uh, I <laughs> my first reaction was, this isn't real, um, and I, I think because it felt so unreal to me, and I, I was kind of in like a state of shock, and it wasn't really uh, emotional. I just, I don't, I don't think I believed it. Um, and it took a while. And I think it was when we found out that uh, his daughter Gigi was also on the helicopter is when it really kind of hit me. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of people, but I think for us uh, as kind of younger uh, basketball fans, Kobe was a dude who we watched as we grew up. Um, who meant a lot to us and, and really gave us a, a lot of life lessons, a lot of entertainment, obviously, but it was a little bit more than that. Um, but Gigi was somebody that we watched grow up or for some of the, the ones that are even younger, um, grew up with her. And, you know, a 13-year-old girl and her dad who had kind of been in the public light all their lives, basically. Um, that moment just hit me so hard and uh, you know i if you had told me a couple of months ago that i would ever get this emotional about somebody who i'd never met um passing away i would have told you you're crazy but i think all those feelings of my childhood of what uh kobe meant to me growing up um the inspiration the the, just like the mental escapes from everything that he provided and really the reason that uh, I fell in love with the sport, fell in love with writing about the sport, doing podcasts, doing all of this um, and committing to, to something that 
wasn't even ever going to be my career. Um, and just kind of remembering all those moments, uh, it was very, very emotional. And, you know, over the course of the week, I, I got a little bit better. Um, but there are just certain moments where things kind of hit you hard again. Um, I know for me, it was like seeing Lamar Odom uh, post about Kobe and kind of just then remembering my feelings when, when Lamar got uh, into a coma a couple of years ago and, and Kobe literally left the preseason game to fly out to Vegas to go see him. Um, or when LeBron posted on Instagram and all these like little moments that just kind of bring back all those same emotions that I felt a week ago now. Um, but yeah, it's just been a very, very hard week to kind of deal with this. And I know that feels really kind of selfish as a, as just a fan and not somebody who knew these people and, and, you know, love them as closely as their families and their friends. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, there have been positives, just seeing everybody kind of come together and share these great stories about what these people meant to them. But for the most part, it's just been overwhelmingly um, just sad. Yeah, you know, there's been a few times I've kind of sat back and thought of that when, you know, I felt like, I was in a lot of emotional pain um, just thinking about, you know, how, you know, the victims' families all feel, you know, Vanessa Bryant and Natalia, you know, a lot of people don't talk about her. I mean, she's 17 years old, so she's certainly old enough to understand um, what's going on. And um, I mean, she lost her sister and her dad. Um, and, you know, I mean, some of those those families were just shattered. Um I think it was the Altabelli family. Uh, they had two other kids, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. who lost both their parents and a sibling. So, um, like I said, man, life is can just be so sudden. It can be so cruel. And I think the part that really hit me the hardest about it, which made me really kind of uh, just self-reflect on a lot of things just in my life, I guess. Like, I don't even really get in the car the same way. Um, this whole week, every time I kind of got in the car, I just kind of sat there for a second and just realized how, how much we take for granted getting from point A to point B safely. Um, you know, Kobe especially was just this figure that felt just larger than life, right? Like he didn't like, to me, I always obviously looked up to him, um, from a very young age, basically, you know, one of the major reasons why I fell in love with the game of basketball and, I always look back to my first uh, like organized game of basketball that I can remember. I was in first grade. Um, <laughs> I always I, I always remember we had it was like YMCA basketball first grade, and um, I was wearing I was the only kid that was wearing sweats. And I, for some reason, I always remember that. I always felt kind of kind of weird. Like I was just something I was comfortable with. And like, just remember our blue jerseys and we we're going up against this team with a kid on it that, you know, was pretty good and ended up being a teammate of mine down the road. Um, but I'll never forget, uh, the first shot I made was uh, uh, basically, and this was like first grade, wide ball so the the rims i think were like eight feet they weren't like 10 foot rims they were lowered rims 
Um, I hit a jump shot. My first shot that I made, I remember, was from the right elbow. And I just remember I wanted to, you know, I, I tried to mirror Kobe's game pretty much my entire basketball playing life. But I just, I always remember hitting that shot and wanting to just like run back on defense with kind of that same swagger uh, that Kobe had. And I just, I wanted to be just like him. You know, I think the generation before us, you know, grew up wanting to be like Mike. And, you know, I think you see it. Um, with today's generation of NBA players, I mean, Kobe Bryant was their Michael Jordan. You know, yeah. he was the the guy everybody wanted to be. And I think, you know, the generation after us is going to probably feel that way about LeBron James. Um, it's just amazing to see the impact that he's had. And I think, like I said, that's what hit me so hard was that it just felt like something like that couldn't happen to Kobe. You know, like I said, he felt larger than life he didn't feel like just an ordinary man in in any respect it just you know like it that's why i think it took a couple of days to really hit me was that like this can't happen to kobe like of all people like no way um and i think the part that two parts really hit me the hardest was just looking back on all the memories of watching him play growing up um I mean, hell, since I was like five years old, um, I was born in 92. So uh, as 97, you know, I, I just, I fell in love with Kobe and his game. And um, like I said, I wanted to emulate that growing up. And, um, you know, I just thought of, of all the time and the memories that, you know, were, were made watching him play, you know, with my family, with my dad, my brother. Um, my cousin, who's my best friend, I mean, we're, we're a Laker family. So, you know, I spent countless hours watching, you know, all the Kobe content that I could watching him play and do his thing. And, you know, I never thought that somebody I never met could have such an impact on me and, you know, somebody I never even met. And when he was gone, it just felt like, it felt like I lost a close friend. Yeah. You know, and it feels weird to say about somebody that I never met, um, you know, but watching the game the other night against the Blazers and um, it kind of feels a little weird to say, but in some sense it's true. But my dad kept telling me, you know, Kobe didn't know us, but we knew him. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew what we what he was about, the example he wanted to set, you know, Um and I just admired his growth as as a person. You know, he I'll be the first one to admit Kobe was far from perfect, uh, made some, you know, bad decisions in his life, made some mistakes like we all do. Um, but it seemed like he he grew from those. And, you know, he just he continued to evolve as, as a person. And um, I love that, you know, in his retirement that uh, just seeing how how much he enjoyed fatherhood. And, and being, you know, being a dad to those, those little girls, um, really hit home for me. You know, I don't have any sisters, but my dad is, has been, you know, a, a huge part of my life and I've felt nothing but love from him, you know, since day one. And I feel very blessed to have that and, um, to see Kobe 
you know, do that for his kids um, really warmed my heart. And it looked like he re really was enjoying retirement for that reason alone. Um, it just, it hurt so bad because it seemed like he was particularly close with Gigi. Um, and the other part that, that really hurt with all of it was just the, the, the potential that those two had, you know, it felt like Kobe had so much more to give the world and he, you know, really embraced inspiring future generations. And I love that about him, um, that, you know, he kind of understood that his time as a player was over, but he could still inspire future generations and try and pay it forward. Um, you know, plus, you know, the storytelling stuff and just everything he wanted to do. He was such an advocate for women's basketball. And I think, um, it just really sucks that, you know, somebody, somebody like that with as much power as Kobe had, um, because women's basketball needs more people like that, you know, to, yeah. to try and, um, share their influence on it. Um, and, and Gigi, I mean, God, she was such an incredibly talented player for her age and it looked like she was destined to become a WNBA player. And, you know, Laker fans were going to follow her career and, and root for her success. And that was, I thought that that was going to be so huge for women's basketball to get that kind of interest. And, um, to just have the rug pulled out from under us, it just feels so cruel and unfair. Um, yeah, I mean, the, just yeah. the suddenness of it, man, it just, it hurt. It hurt so bad. Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. Tax season is here, and that means that it's time to file your taxes. There's good news. If you're a W-2 employee, you can save half off your filing. All you have to do is call the Tax Defense Group before April 15th, 2020 and mention that you saw this ad on UCAS Studios. Millions of Americans will get money back after they file and you can be one of them. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973. That number again is 800-850-7973 and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Writer Junkie. Are you looking to make more money in 2020? One of the best ways to do that is by having a new resume that can help you get that dream job. Writer Junkie offers affordable, well-written resumes for the low cost of $145. They'll even throw in a cover letter for no additional charge. All you have to do is mention that you saw this ad on UCAS Studios and they'll get right to work. Call Writer Junkie today at 805-587-7966 and you can visit them online at writerjunkie.com. Yeah, and the family aspect of it that you talked about, I think, was a major focus for me. Um, because, like you, my you know, my dad is one of the main reasons uh, that I grew up watching basketball, and I got my fandom really of Kobe and the Lakers through him. Um, the rest of my family aren't really basketball watchers, but even they really understood. Um, what an important and like colossal figure uh kobe was to me and i was getting texts from my brothers from my mom um after everything that happened because i think they they understood that i was going to take it pretty hard which again like <laughs> you know my my family would probably usually make fun of me if, if i were ever to get upset about something that wasn't you know directly impacting me not somebody that i knew personally but I, th I think they all understood that like 
he was such an ins- inspirational figure, such an important uh, uh, person in, in terms of my bond with my dad. Um, just such an important person in how I handled any sort of challenge or adversity growing up or yeah. even now. Um, and yeah, in uh, in kind of mirroring that with you know post-retirement Kobe and, and the family man that he was and um, how he was bonding with his daughter uh, over basketball and just being able to see that all the time and kind of reminding me of me and my dad it's just it was just heartbreaking right yeah it's just it, it was so relatable on so many levels and you know to to be that relatable to somebody that is you know so unique um just a special talent special individual um you know and i think a lot of people learned a lot from him um obviously you know there's less than one percent of people are as talented as kobe bryant um but man i mean he i always loved his message that he wanted to be remembered as as that guy that works like he was the 12th man on the on the bench um yeah and and he did he worked insanely hard and um that's kind of something that stuck with me throughout my childhood and it was something um I always laugh. My senior year of basketball, you know, our practices were about 3.15 and we'd get done at 5.15 and I would stay my senior year until about 9 o'clock after every practice just because we'd have other teams that would practice after us and I would, you know, sometimes jump in their scrimmages or I'd just shoot off to the side and I would just keep working um, because I saw how hard Kobe worked and I, you know, realize that's that's what you got to do and um it was funny i remember coming home you know just drenched in sweat one night about nine o'clock and my mom i know was very concerned uh that i was out doing things that i shouldn't be um and like thought that i was i don't know i think she thought that i was on drugs (laughs) because i was (laughs) You know, practice was over at five fifteen. Why are you coming home at nine o'clock? <laughs> I have an exact story just like that. <laughs> Mine was so. I mean, I didn't really play organized basketball, but I would go play pickup at a local park with a bunch of friends, and we would always stay out until like ten p.m. And uh, you know, growing up in an immigrant family means that you're not supposed to stay out late ever. Uh, so coming home after that, my mom, my mom told me that she thought I was doing drugs. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, I, I got in trouble a couple of times because of it, but I think they did kind of understand that like, it was better for me to be out playing basketball and just hanging out with friends there than going out and doing some other crap. So I think I, at some point they kind of understood that it was just a, you know, a good hobby and a productive way for me to spend my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's just what made it, you know, made this, this whole week so, so difficult. You know, I just, I don't think I'll ever forget, you know, the time and place. I mean, pretty much every Sunday for me is kind of the same thing. You know, I wake up, 
you know, I'll make breakfast. I'll usually make like bacon and eggs. Um, and I remember I ate so much last Sunday that I needed a nap. Like I had just woken up like an hour prior and I was already tired again because I ate so much. And, uh, you know, I woke up probably about 25 minutes after and my phone was blowing up. I had missed calls. I had about 15 texts and, you know, um, I had so many people tell me you were the first person I thought of. And, um, I remember an old teammate of mine commented on Instagram picture uh, that I posted of Kobe, uh, that day, um, a couple days later I was at work and he commented that I was the first person that, that he thought of. And, um, you know, that, I was about to go into a meeting at work and, you know, I had to try and just dry my eyes as best I could. Um, you know, everybody knew, everybody that, you know, grew up with me, went to school with me or whatever, knew that that was my guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my, I don't know if it's like a defense mechanism or whatever, but when I get really down about something, I get sad, like, when the Titans lost to the Chiefs two weeks ago now, um, the prime example, my thing is I just go to sleep. You know, um, I either want to play basketball or I want to just sleep so I don't have to think about it. And that was kind of how I handled like the Titans. Titans lost to the Chiefs. I didn't even watch the NFC Championship game after that. I just I laid down and I went to sleep. So because I was sad and I didn't want to think about it, and I wanted to do the same thing with. You know, the Kobe news, I mean, I had just woken up again, and I I thought it was a bad dream. I really did. It didn't feel real, and, you know, when it's, I just kind of froze, and when it started to, to hit me, I just wanted to sleep again, but I couldn't. I mean, I ended up staying up until about 3 a.m. that night, um, and uh, I don't think I left my room for two days. You know, yeah. I don't maybe to grab something to eat, but I just didn't want to talk to anybody. I had people reaching out to me and, um, you know, I appreciate them thinking of me, but, um, yeah, I just, I've never, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's one of those things that's probably hit me the hardest. You know, my family's, we're big dog people. So we've had, you know, dogs kind of come and go and that always, that always hurts. Um, I've had, you know, a few family members pass away. Uh, my grandfather passed away recently, but, um, in all those cases uh, where I lost a loved one, um, it was kind of something one of those things where you could see the writing on the wall. Um, basically all, every family member that I've lost so far, um, were all, uh, grandparents of mine. Um, and they were just, they were just really old, you know, and, that's, that's kind of natural and, you know, it hurts, but it's, it's kind of something you see coming. And with this man, it was, it was just, we were all so blindsided by it that it just, just shattered my heart. And, you know, it just felt like my childhood died with it. Um, you know, and I'm 27 now, so my childhood's behind me quite a bit, but all I could think about was all those memories as, you know, that I, I was, you know, as, a, as a kid trying to be, like number eight, you know, like number 24. And, um, it just hurts, man. It hurts, but you know, there's, it's been very moving to see so many people come together. Um, and I just hate that 
I hate some sometimes the events that have to take place for us to all come together like I think we should um, more just more often more naturally um, but that's kind of the beautiful thing about about Kobe is <clears throat> he I mean obviously he he brought the entire city of Los Angeles together um, which is it's so meaningful because of, you know, just the, the amount of diversity in that city, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different types of people, uh, so many different backgrounds, all, you know, would come together for even for two and a half hours, three hours a night, you know, just to watch and play. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I hope, you know, he's looking down and seeing the impact that he had not only on city of Los Angeles, but even, you know, just a, a random guy that lives in Boise, Idaho, yeah. you know, just all over the world um, to see, you know, the impact is something truly special. And, you know, I hope you know, wherever he is, I hope he's looking down and, uh, you know, can see the impact that he's had on people all over the world. It's just tough, man. It's yeah. Really tough. yeah. Um, I want to say thank you to you for being able to tweet during the, the Blazer game two nights ago. Um, you know, it was obviously tough for all of us. Um, but I want to just say I thought the Lakers did an unbelievable job of, of honoring him and yeah. You know, I remember looking up at the clock at one point and it was 15 minutes past 8.30, which was, you know, the, the slot that the game was supposed to start and didn't really care. Didn't really care. Um, you know, I just wanted to basically soak up all the, the memories that people were sharing and um, just the, the way the Lakers honored him was, was very touching, um, especially the video with Kobe kind of narrating it himself. Yeah, I thought was a beautiful touch, and um, again, it was just amazing to see uh, just all the love and support for him. And I hope you know Vanessa was Vanessa was able to watch and and see how how touching that was, and hopefully it meant a lot to her. Um, I guess I'll just throw it to you on what your thoughts were of of that night and just all the tributes. I guess that we've we've uh, we've seen so far. Yeah, I think um you know, it, it was it was heartbreaking still uh to to see all of this and and you know, tune in for a basketball game and and have basically a memorial service for this larger than life figure. Um but I do think it was also cathartic in a sense. Um seeing a building filled with 20,000 people chanting his name was surreal. Um that yeah. video that you talked about, I think, was just brilliantly done. Um, it was beautiful to just hear him talk about everything that basically made him special to uh, to so many, so many people. And, um, you know, I, I think I was very grateful. Um, you know, th this, this is, <laughs> it kind of sounds stupid because it is, in a sense, a basketball thing that seems very um, not meaningful right now. But I, I was really grateful that LeBron was a Laker in that moment. 
Um, his speech was amazing. It was stronger than anything I could imagine a, a friend of, of Kobe's doing in that moment. Um, you know, just literally minutes before that, we had seen him uh, crying his eyes out while the national anthem was being sung. And to come out there and to talk about, you know, all the all the things that Kobe meant to him specifically and, and what he meant to millions of other people and to, like you said, turn it into a celebration of his life. Um, I think that was very necessary for a lot of people to, you know, start to kind of heal from this. Um, it, it kind of, it took a while in the actual game. But I think it kind of brought us back to a, a, a tiny, tiny bit of normalcy um, that was just really necessary. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I personally hate this uh, thing that I've seen a lot of people do about, like, galvanizing the team with, you know, now LeBron is a Laker or now the Lakers have to win the championship for Kobe. I, I really hate that because I don't think we should be – uh galvanizing grief in any way and i don't think we should be using uh public figures death as as a like a motivational tool um but you know i i do just feel really grateful that lebron is here and and he can kind of carry that torch regardless of what actually happens on the basketball court but just be that same sort of figure that kobe was for so long um uh to a lot of people. All I could think of after that speech was just how fortunate the Laker franchise, Laker fans, how, how fortunate we are to have LeBron James, um, not only in general, but just especially in this moment. You know, I, could, I can't think of really any individual um, that could be, I'm trying to find the right words here, I guess like a a beacon of, of hope and optimism, um, to heal, um, and somebody with the, the appropriate strength, I think, um, to help kind of lead the way and, and help, help us all try and get through this together. Um, cause yeah. you know, the annoying thing to me is looking back on, and you know, my younger self, I got caught up in it too, was kind of the media created LeBron Kobe rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, because those two, there were never rivals ever. Um, you know, those two grew, you know, th- their friendship into a brotherhood and they both meant so much to each other. And it was kind of like, you know, Kobe and Wade, you know, that was kind of looked at as, as a rivalry because they both had Shaq at one point and um, they were both, both played the same position and all that. Um, and you can just, I mean, the thing I love about basketball and, and I think Kobe's relationship with a lot of these guys uh, really exemplified was that it's, it's such a brotherhood, you know, it's, it's such a brotherhood and it's um, guys are just really close. And I think that's one thing that I always loved about playing growing up is just the relationships that I'd have with my teammates and um, the friendships that I made along the way. And um, we're just very lucky to have LeBron and like you said, it, it's been kind of annoying that there's been like this, you know, you got to win it for Kobe now. And my thing is, if you want to honor Kobe, all you have to do is is just go out and just play your hardest, man. Just play hard because, I mean, 
Kobe played 20 years and won five championships. You know, yeah. not to take anything away from him or anything, because five championships, I mean, how many players honestly do that? Um, Kobe was a great winner, a great champion, um, but he didn't win every year. Nobody does. Um, the thing that I always loved about Kobe was just his tenacity, how hard he played, um, how the injuries he pushed through. And I guess I'll transition this into kind of our last our last segment here, and we'll talk about some memories. I, I, I shared this on Twitter um, the night of the, the Portland game. Um, so many memories stand out. But for me, as somebody that grew up in Boise, um, Salt Lake City was always the closest NBA city. Um, and their fans are terrible, for <laughs> lack of a better word. You would think with such a like religious group of people, and you would think that they'd be kinder, I guess. But they're, they're pretty ruthless as, as fans. Um, you know, I think that's why it always meant more when the Lakers, when we went there, you know, rocking our Laker gear. and um, when when the the boys could get a W uh, when we were in attendance, that always felt so sweet. And my favorite, I mean, my favorite game I think of all time was was the game game four of the 2009 first round series. Kobe was coming off a game that he was five of 24. Um, in game three, they lost. Series was two one. They were still in decent shape, um, but I was nervous going into that game. I was really nervous because. Um, you know, it's like if we lose this game, it's 2-2. Uh, their fans are going to, you know, let us hear it all the way back to our hotel. And um, I didn't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that. And, um, you know, a 2-2 series can go any which way. Um, but I felt comfortable knowing that Kobe was coming off of, you know, a 5 of 24 game and he missed the game winning shot at the buzzer. And, I just remember him coming out, the team coming out of the tunnel and just seeing him in, in warm-ups. I was really nervous about the game for the reasons I just mentioned. But the camera kept finding him, you know, on the, the big jumbotron that hangs above the court. And just seeing the seriousness in his face, he was chomping on, you know, his purple gum. I'll just <laughs> never forget the, the look on his face. And I remember turning to my cousin, um, and just saying, we're not losing this game. Like, I could just tell by the look in his eyes. And didn't, I mean, he was so just locked in, so serious, so focused. And a lot of times guys are trying to stay loose during pregame warm-ups, have a good time, smile, whatever. He was just so, ra you know, laser focused. And um, he hit some of the most ridiculously contested jump shots I've, I've ever seen in that game. Uh, he was 16 of 24, had 38 points, and the game was really never even in question. Uh, you know, it started kind of slow. I think the Jazz went up 14-9. Kobe had all nine early points for the Lakers. I think he had 13 of their first 15. And he finished with 38 points. The Lakers dominated, went up 3-1, and they went on to win a championship that year against Orlando. That That's probably my favorite uh, moment of his in person but there's another jazz game that really stands out and you know I, I kind of think it's relevant just because of all the not that I'm knocking the load management stuff and all that because I think it's important for players to take care of their bodies but back in 2003 
we had tickets to the Lakers and Jazz, and we were watching them play the Rockets in L.A. the night before. And Shaq was already out, so we were already kind of bummed that we weren't going to get to see Shaq. Um, but Kobe was playing, so, you know, we still had hope. You know, that's a tough back-to-back. This was back, I think, when the Rockets had Yao. Um, and the Lakers win against Houston in double overtime. Kobe is literally hobbling around on one leg. He's in a lot of pain, but he's just, I think he played 54 minutes that night and just gutted it out. Gutted it out, had 52 points, was just an unreal performance, unreal performance. And, you know, once the 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 buzz of the win kind of wore off, I, all I could think was, crap, we're going to go see the Lakers play without Shaq and Kobe now. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's a back-to-back there's no way he plays. It's a regular season game, whatever. Yeah. And I remember kind of going down. Um, the cool thing about Utah, and not every NBA arena does this, but when players are warming up, as soon as the doors open, like an hour before game time, you can kind of go down to like the court level. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can watch the players warm up, the players that do come out at least um, that, that early. And a lot of them will sign autographs. And I remember Derek Fisher was out warming up and he was signing autographs and everybody, you know, was asking him, you know, how's Kobe doing? Is Kobe going to play? And <laughs> I, you know, I was close enough to hear him. He's like, oh yeah, he's playing. <laughs> and so I felt some comfort in that. I didn't know what to expect. Um, and he went out and he scored 40 points and the Lakers won. Um and that was in the middle of his 40-point streak that year, where I think he had nine straight 40-point games. And stuff like that is just what I always respected of him. Um, for th- those people that know me, I'm a big Titans fan too. So my two favorite two favorite athletes really of all time are Steve McNair and, and Kobe Bryant, kind of for the same reason. McNair was another one of those guys. And I, I can't believe both of those guys are no longer with us. But um, – those two dudes, man, would just play through anything if their bodies would allow them. Mm-hmm. Um, McNair, man, was they were just built from the same cloth. Like they would just play through anything if they could. And I always just respected that about Kobe, and especially looking now at the all the load, basically the load management era that we live in. You know, if he could play, he was going to play, and. I just always respected that as somebody that, you know, was just your average Joe, you know, that paid, you know, I mean, my dad at the, you know, at the time, cause I was only, I think 11, 10 or 11 years old then. Uh, but like nowadays, especially when you pay, you know, you pay a lot of money to see these, these guys play. Um, and it's kind of disheartening if, if one of them sits out, you know, just for rest um, on the night that you went to go see him play. And this for somebody that doesn't, that didn't grow up in an NBA city. And I always had to travel to go see these guys play. Um, always respected Kobe that he was at least going to try. Um, and I remember I saw his last game at Portland because uh, I wanted to see him play one last time. And you could tell, you know, he was hurting. His body was just worn down at that point in the final year of his career. But he still went out and played. Still went out and played, um, even in a limited capacity, and just got to see him play. And that Utah game especially was, I think, 99% of players now in that much pain the night before on a back-to-back, there's no way in hell they play the next night, let alone score 40 points and lead your team to a W. <laughs> um, just a special, special player. Um, just built from 
you know, cut from a different cloth, man. Just unreal individual and stuff like that. Why, why I loved him so much and I'm going to miss him dearly. Yeah. Uh, I think my, my favorite Kobe moment is similar, um, but also a lot more depressing. Um, I, I will never forget watching him play in that game where he tore his Achilles. Um, because that game was just ridiculous in, in so many ways. Um, he, he got hurt probably three or four times just in that game before he actually tore the Achilles. Um, mm -hmm. And he kept playing through it just like he had for that entire like month beforehand where he was playing basically 48 minutes a night trying to will the Lakers into the playoffs. And as depressing as that season had been and as tough as it was to, to even watch the games um, because of the expectations that we had for that team and how, how far they were from them. Kobe made it somewhat enjoyable because of the way he was playing. Um, and to me, it's like maybe his arguably his most impressive season. Um, but seeing him go down with the Achilles, you're fearing the worst. And then somehow, <laughs> I just I, I I don't even understand the mentality that he thought of doing this, but he basically pinches his Achilles down back to his foot after it has rolled up, and just so he can hit a couple of clutch free throws, um, and then walk off the court basically under his own power, again with a torn Achilles, the the injury that literally ends careers for basketball players. Um, and seeing him do that, it, it almost made you feel like if there's one person who, who will ever come back from a torn Achilles at like 34 years old or whatever he was at the time, it's going to be Kobe. And, uh, to think that they won that game by two points and then they won the next game and they made it into the playoffs. Um, he literally dragged that team to the playoffs on, on a non-functional foot. He was standing on one foot hitting those free throws. And I I will just never forget how incredible it is that he even thought of doing that, how incredible it is that he was able to do that. Um, I don't think the, the list of humans that could ever possibly imagine doing something like that is immensely low. And I'm not sure if there's more than one person on it. Only Kobe, man. <laughs> Only Kobe. Like the funny thing about that was like I remember seeing him walk off the court and I for some reason I wasn't worried. Yeah. Like you would think, oh, Kobe left the game and didn't come back. And, you know, he had just, you know, taken a beating, but you know, I figured he's walking off the court, so it's not a torn Achilles, right? Like yeah. Nobody does that. Like, if you tear your Achilles, I've seen so many dudes get carted off, carried off, whatever. Just to have the audacity to try and, like, stop it from rolling up his leg and, like, holding it in place and then walking out, hitting two free throws, uh, and then to walk off the court. And I, I saw it floating around on Twitter, um, apparently Gary Vitti. Yeah. The, the story about one asking him if he wanted a wheelchair, and he said no. 
that he's walking off as, and that was his, pardon my language, but his fuck you to Paul Pierce. <laughs> that right there is just like the most Kobe story yeah. ever. Um, and it's just stuff like that was why I love that man so much and why he meant so much to all of us. Cause he just probably physically and mentally the toughest athlete I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, to overcome, you know, the adversity that he had. I mean, so many people hated him. Um, and I think that's kind of something that's hit it, that hit me pretty hard is that seeing so many people that hated him while he played have just been devastated by yeah. his loss. Um, yeah. You know, and I kind of think back to my dad. Uh, so my dad grew up during the Showtime era, and he'd always tell me he hated Larry Bird hated Larry Bird and I think every Laker fan during that era did but when Larry Bird finally retired my dad would always just think like I miss that guy like mm-hmm. you just gained a, a respect for him you know and I think we're, we're seeing that with with so many people I mean even the, the King's Twitter account like would always just post about the Lakers even when they they didn't even play the Lakers that night uh, but always try and crack jokes about the Lakers and I mean I saw it earlier today they posted like a, a a memory of Kobe scoring 48 against them in the playoffs and knocking yeah. them out yeah. um, so I mean even you know the people that that hated his guts as as a player uh, just grew to respect him I think and I, I always said you know you hate Kobe but you'd love to have him on your team mm-hmm. And I mean, we're, we're seeing that and it's, it's, it's been pretty meaningful to me to not only see just the outpouring of support from Laker fans, but just from basketball fans and sports fans in general. Um, Cause it's just, sometimes life is cruel, man. Life can be so beautiful sometimes, but sometimes it's very cruel and um, it's been difficult week um like kind of looking back on a lot of memories has has put a smile on my face and it's just it, it means a lot to know that he meant so me- so much to so many people um i don't i don't really know what else to say after that can I can I give one more Kobe story that I think everybody forgot about, and I forgot about until we literally just a few minutes ago? Yeah, because it is a perfect Kobe story. <laughs> this is him. He I think he he said the story during his last year around the time when they were playing the Celtics for the last time, or he was playing the Celtics for the last time, and <laughs> um. He was talking about how after they lost in 2008 to the Celtics that um, he spent basically an entire summer working out while listening to the Dropkick Murphys song, I'm Shipping Up to Boston. (laughs) as his motivational tool to get back to the finals and get revenge on the Celtics because he wanted to remember the feeling that he had when they kept playing that and don't stop believing in the arena uh, <laughs> as as they were killing the killing the Lakers. <laughs> <sighs> he just 
He was built differently, man. Like they, they truly broke the mold when they made Kobe Bryant. And yeah, that's why, you know, like three sports memories have, you know, kind of are all about the same for me in terms of like my favorite sports memories ever. Um, and, and one of those is just that game seven against, uh, against Boston. Um, it was so sweet to, you know, get revenge on those guys, but to see, you know, it was obviously a, just a dreadful shooting night from Kobe. You could just tell he was on fumes, running on fumes, man. He was out of gas. He was so good in that series. Um, but I always, I always look, you know, obviously the, the big thing was he had 15 rebounds in that game and him chasing down the ball at the end from the pass from Lamar. Um, I'll just never forget, you know, he hits the the two free throws to put him up 66, 64. Uh, they finally had battled back and finally retaken the lead. And then he comes back, you know, they get a stop and then he comes down and, and hits that signature jump shot uh, from like the right elbow area uh, with Ray Allen on him to put him up 68, 64. And it's, it's that sheer determination that, mental strength, you know, to, to not think about the shots that he had missed in that game, but to really truly believe that the next one was always going in. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff like that. Why, you know, I love that guy so much. And, you know, I remember my senior year, uh, we had this, this kid on our team that was a junior. It was his first varsity game. And, you know, I could tell he was, he was a really quiet kid. He was really nervous. Um, like I was my first varsity game as a sophomore, but, um, his first three hit the side of the backboard. Um, and I remember he, you know, came out of the game shortly after that and he sat down and, you know, straight up said, I'm, I'm not shooting anymore today. And, you know, I just looked over him and all I could think of, of was Kobe's, you know, mentality, the Mamba mentality. And I just looked at him and said, hey, man, the only way you're going to make shots is if you keep, ta- keep taking them. And I kind of thought of Kobe's, you know, the Kobe, well, I don't remember if it was like the Kobe quote or whatever. Um, I can't remember if he said it or I remember like, I think it was like Dion Waiters said something about it. It was like, I'd go 0 for 30 before I'd go 0 for 9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just going to keep shooting. And I always respected that about him, man. Like, he just was so mentally tough. and. Um, I know certain fans didn't like that about him, but I always, I always just respected that about him that, you know, didn't matter. He was going to keep plugging away and he was going to keep trying. And, uh, yeah, just going to miss him a lot, man. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else you want to say before we, before we sign off? Uh, I will, I will leave it at, I think my favorite Kobe quote to have kind of made the rounds, um, since his passing, uh, again from 2008, um, he says, have a good time. Life is too short to get bogged down and be discouraged. You have to keep moving. You have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other smile and just keep on rolling. True words, man, have not been spoken.
And that's beautiful thing about Kobe. No matter how down, you know, times were, he just kept going. You know, you look back at the the four air balls against Utah, you know, his his rookie year. And you know, at the time people probably laughed at him, but I mean, I was super young. I was probably four years old at that point, almost turning five. And uh, <laughs> all I could think of about those shots is not that he airballed them; it's that he kept shooting. What like what NBA rookie airballs three shots in the clutch in a playoff game, elimination game, and has the balls to take a fourth one? <laughs> I feel like I've said this so many times looking back on on memories, but only Kobe, man. Only Kobe. All right. Um, I don't have anything else. Uh, I could, I mean, I mean, I probably do. I could probably talk about Kobe all day, (laughs) but um, yeah, good point to sign off. Just, you know, remembering that he brought so many happy memories, not only, you know, for, for me as an individual standpoint, but you know, with me spending a lot of time with my family, watching him play and I'll always, always appreciate him for so many, so many reasons, but you know, the, the memories that he gave all of us, the lessons that he gave all of us. And, um, you know, with the, probably the most important reason just being to keep going, keep fighting. And, um, like I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to miss him very much. So, Alrighty, we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna, you know, do what what Kobe told us to do, and 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 just keep going, keep going. So, uh, for Hani Amadian, I'm Gary Kester with the Lakers Outsiders, signing off and saying, Mamba forever. <laughs>